For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The following is a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradlogancote. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And welcome into today's edition of the Believe It Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. And it's not hyperbole when I say they do not get any bigger than the one on Saturday between Ole Miss and LSU. Ole Miss and LSU kick off at 5 o'clock at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. It'll be on ESPN. It'll be... Up to this point, and honestly, there's no reason to look ahead. The season is before you. It, it's two things. It's either the, the the opportunity for an access bowl, an opportunity for the SEC championship, or an opportunity to play in Atlanta. So many things. Either live or die with the game on Saturday, and then you survive in advance until next week. You lose the game, and it's the insert your favorite condiment bowl here. And that's just the the nature of the beast. When you play Alabama and LSU this early in the season, there's still divisions in the SEC, the West and the East. That's where it is. And that's why it's so big. But I think LSU will be ready. I know Ole Miss will be ready. And I say that because Ole Miss, the coaching staff, the players, specifically on offense, they just – They didn't act like they were ready last week. Everything that I've heard throughout practice this week, this team's ready. It's laser-focused on LSU. The line movement's been interesting. It started at some books at five and six. It's already down to two and a half with LSU, a slight favorite on the road. Defensively, Pete Golding has had an all-conference caliber year so far. What he's been able to do with the Ole Miss defense, the transfers coming together, it's been – it's been interesting to watch just how well this team has played defensively. Offensively, not so much. But the good news, you've got an opportunity to right the wrongs on Saturday. LSU, a defensive secondary that's susceptible to the pass. Not not the best in the world. A, a pretty good linebacking core. Really good linebacking core. And really good defensive front. Ole Miss and LSU, and a lot of people have thoughts. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin, who addressed the media prior to 
of course, the game against LSU and then after the Alabama game. And we'll also hear from Josh Pate. Josh does a lot of good work for 247 Sports. And uh, we'll have a chance to listen to what Josh has to say about the Ole Miss and LSU game. In the second half of the show, I'm excited to have Koki Riley. Koki does a great job covering LSU for the USA Today Sports Network, also for the Louisiana Advertiser. And Koki's got a lot of great information about the Tigers, and I know you'll enjoy that conversation that we had about Ole Miss and LSU specifically, about what he thinks is going to happen in Oxford and kind of breaking down the positions for LSU. It's been a great run this year on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. We can't thank you enough for being a part of it. We couldn't do it without our sponsors, of course. And we'll start out with our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online have been with us since the very beginning. Bet Online, where the game starts. Use that promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Everything you can imagine. College football is rocking and rolling. NFL, just wait. Major League Baseball is still rolling. This is a great time. If that's your cup of tea. And Bet Online has you covered. Be sure and go to that website, betonline.ag, and get started today and use that promo code BLEAV. Also excited about our sponsorship, Debbie Johnson. Debbie's been with us since the very beginning as well, and she has done some great work in the state of Mississippi. She's our real estate agent. She could be yours today. Use that uh, phone of yours. Call her cell phone, 662-689-0090, or call in the office at 662 234 5555. She's a part of the Kessinger Real Estate family. And I will say this on a personal level, uh, Debbie is, uh, has got some, some things uh, health-wise in her family that she's dealing with. And I'm a praying man. And I don't mind admitting that. I'm very proud of my faith. And uh, I encourage you to, to lift Debbie's family up as uh, she's going through uh, her family is going currently through some health difficulties. And uh, she is a really good person, and um, I just wanted to, uh, to to pass that along that uh, Debbie and her family could use our prayers at this time. So, Debbie, we're thinking about you, and uh, I'm right here if you need anything. Excited about our partnership also with the Rogue. The Rogue, of course, it's right there in Jackson. You know where it is. Headed through Jackson right before the Big Waterworks Curve, right in the middle of downtown, the Hub City. And uh, it's right there on the left, and they've got the name brands that you love. If you're looking for that special night out, go get that perfect quarter zip. Go get you some Martin Dingman shoes. It uh, You always feel a little bit better when you leave the Rogue, and that's on the left side. That, that's, that's got the jackets and the suits and all that good stuff. Now on the right side, that's the collegiate collection. It's got the Reb script, the quarter zips, the polos, the vests, and I promise you, if you go by there and you see all that Luke and his crew has, you'll leave with a handful of Ole Miss gear. That's the Rogue right there off of I-55 in Jackson. The Rogue, your men's store, and now your connection to the collegiate apparel with the REBS script, the logos that you like. Also thankful for our friends over at College Corner. College Corner has a brick-and-mortar store now in Oxford, right off of Sisk Avenue, right across from the elementary school, past the Wendy's, in the Oxford Commons, bottom of the hill, right there on the corner. Talk about a place that's got the perfect hat, T-shirt, jerseys, all types of apparel, quarter zips, polos, the materials that you really like. It's red, so go by my friend's places. Go by the Rogue today and get that perfect Rebs quarter zip. And then come into town, go get that perfect red hat and that perfect red polo from College Corner. 
That's all you have to do. And tell them you heard about it right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Let's hear from Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin as he addressed the media prior to the LSU game. Uh, excited to play LSU. These guys, um, like I mentioned last night, extremely talented. I mean, phenomenal-looking team. Um, great O-line, great receivers, quarterback. Back ran great. Um, and great-looking defensive players all over. So um, I've always said these two games that happen to be back-to-back back back for years in this conference have always been the two on this side, at least, that um, – where they look like you're playing NFL teams. Um, a lot of great-looking players with great length and a lot of stars. So <clears throat> our challenge is to get get better this week. Uh, I did tell them, you know, hey, we've been in a situation, happened to be in the same situation two years ago. Went 3-0, and uh, went into Alabama and actually played a lot worse. And that game was 35 nothing at one point and ended up <clears throat> coming back from that game and going 10-2. So... Um, got a lot of a lot of football in front of us and a huge one this week and um, I, I would argue maybe the hottest offense in the country. Coach, in your eyes, what are the issues up front on offense and how do you go about addressing them? <clears throat> yeah, we we got to get better. Um, you know, got to coach better, involve different schemes, different things. Um, and you know, we're just sometimes <clears throat> running games interesting. You know. You'll have these games, and all of a sudden they'll pop, and uh, you have a bunch of explosive runs. So we just gotta all go to work and figure out a way. It's not like we haven't, not like we're a team or a program that didn't hasn't, you know, ever ran the ball or hasn't known how to run the ball. So um, it'd be really good to get back to that. Jane Daniels had a big game uh, against you guys last year. He's off to another good start this year. Um, how do you feel this iteration of your guys' defense is, is better equipped to defend him this year? Um, I don't know that right now. Um, I mean, this guy's playing great, playing better than he was a year ago that time. I mean, early on, um, he actually throws one where our safety's there and I think could have changed the game and we don't find the ball and he throws a touchdown and he gets hot. So um, this guy, as you see, gets really hot and, Bleats a lot of passes and hard to bring down. So um, I don't know that we're in better position. We're going to need a really good game plan. We're going to need to play really well. I hope you mentioned and players have mentioned that, you know, starting with that Alabama loss last year, it kind of snowballed effect negatively. I know it's barely two days old, but how have you seen this team maybe kind of bounce back, react, or handle that loss Saturday? Well, I like to, like I said, go back to two years ago when we were 3-0 and um, went to Alabama and lost, and uh, I think last year was a little bit different. Where you know we're potentially going nine and one at that point, and probably moving in the top five in the country. You know, if we finish that drive off against Alabama, so I think it's it it's very different, and every year is a different team. Lane, you mentioned a little bit last night about Centarian Perkins being a quarterback spy. I guess is that something you could see him doing more in in, in the future, and and why is that? important to have an athletic guy like him who can do that well that was specific for who we were playing that's I mean I was like playing Michael Vick um he's so dynamic taking off with the ball and and running with it and most of you guys can't catch him so uh, that was a very specific plan for that quarterback in that offensive play calling so um I wouldn't think that that would be used again how close are some of your young wide receivers that you guys signed, Aiden and JJ, and some of those guys, to being able to be big parts of game plans moving forward? 
Yeah, I think that's a fair question. We've had a lot of injuries out there, and um, Aiden was doing great, and he actually got sick and missed some time. And um, you know, we got to get him back involved uh, because he's got a chance to be a really special player, like we saw in camp. Hopefully, this will be the week. Noticed on some of the doorways walking in here the the parable. Um, was, was that you that put that up there, and was there a purpose behind that? I just think it was a good one about. Um, you don't know why things happen, and you know you you know, jump jump to these huge conclusions and huge things, and and this happens really in this sport, especially college football. All of a sudden, it, one team's great, and the next week they're horrible. You know, or um, you know, you go to throw an interception and they drop it, and then you score two plays later, and then all of a sudden you're the greatest thing ever. So, um, it was really just about you don't know why things happen, and you got to go back and worry about what you can control. And sometimes it ends up being a great thing. I was really directing over some players that were down about their performance, you know, and how they played and plays they could have made or missed signals that made some plays look really bad and stuff. And so just, hey, can't control that now. Um, there may be some some good reason for it down the road. Lane, how do you, um, how do you uh, grade Centurion? I'm uh, not Centurion, Zakari and Caden, and do you expect to get more out of them this week? I think that was a really difficult situation for them. Neither had played, both returning from surgeries. I mean, really kind of crazy that you had three players, three significant pieces, um, you know, coming back from surgeries trying to play. Two of them hadn't played all year. So I thought those guys pushed through. That's really challenging to do. And the good part is they'll obviously get better having some, you know, game experience under them with their injuries, not – not like they needed game experience because they played a lot, but because they just needed to get in game shape and play through some games. So um, I've always kind of known that, like I would, like I always thought, like, hey, our best was to come. Knowing that we didn't have those guys yet uh, in our offense, even though things were going well early at times. Um, so and then losing Trey and him having surgery, and then him, I mean, he was probably seventy percent when ran one route one type of route with him. So um, I think the future is really exciting that way once they get back. Is there anything you learned about Brian Kelly and kind of the teams that he puts out there from last year that you're trying to take in and uh, just use this year? Not really. I mean, Coach does a good job. We've seen at Notre Dame um, over the years too and very organized and teams play really well and, and – Play with good discipline and play tough and physical. And he's a really, really good recruiter. And there's great players out there. Yeah, and then just uh, just one more. I know the Bama game is still pretty fresh, but how are you seeing your guys kind of respond to this adversity this uh, after last Saturday? Uh, good. I think today, um, you know, we used the morning to – Break that down with them. Go over it. What we needed to do. Um, how we. How. What plays were significant and how we could have won that game. And then we move forward. So, I actually think with kids nowadays, there's a lot of issues with, you know, this new generation, and how they deal with things and what they expect. But one good thing is I do think they move. They move on quickly. So I, I think that we struggle more moving on. Um, you know, from a loss or negative things than they do. Uh, Malik Neighbors, I think, is third nationally in receiving yards. What makes him such a, a difficult cover? 
Yeah, like I said, I mean, these guys got NFL players all over the place. Um, I've seen him before, unbelie- unbelievable receiver. And, um, you know, this is what LSU usually looks like. There's a reason that, what, the last three coaches there won national championships. So um, they got great receivers. Defensive tackle looks unbelievable, and we've already talked about Perkins, so um, a lot of challenges. On Perkins, it looked like they were starting to kind of play him Saturday night more like they did last last season. Did, did you see that as well as you guys start to get ready for them? Pretty good scheme by you there. Very impressed. I mean, I don't know if they've talked about it, but it looks like <clears throat> they tried to play him like a normal backer in week one and play him like a boundary wheel backer and – Looks like they scratched that after the Florida State game and went back to last year's plan and just put him out there and make a few calls with him, let him play. So um, I wish they'd put him back in there. <laughs> Jackson took some pretty big hits over the weekend. Have you have you had conversations with him about sliding and, and how receptive is he to those conversations? I haven't. I don't think, think sliding on a couple of them would have mattered really um, when he needs to buckle his chin strap better. Um, he likes his helmet loose, and that's an issue. So and that costs us. You know, we got to waste a timeout one time for a 10-second runoff. We didn't we didn't use the timeout because we don't have confidence in Spencer. It's because there's going to be a 10-second runoff. When it happened before, we put Spencer, and we got great confidence in Spencer, but we couldn't afford 10-second runoff. So um, it slide later, actually, without even telling him. I think sometimes that happens naturally. You kind of learn through shock or repetition, one or the other. Yeah, that was OBS head coach Lane Kiffin. It just feels like that it's a different week. It feels like that Lane has a different vibe about him. I don't know what that means, and I know I'm not doing a very good job of describing it. But, look, I mean, I said in the earlier part of the show, it didn't feel like the team just played up to its caliber, specifically offensive line play, running back play, and, and, and coaching offensively. And, look, there's no doubt about it. The injuries have really hurt Ole Miss. But I said again, it's a new day, and it starts on Saturday. And it has to for Ole Miss with the kickoff at 5 o'clock. Josh Pate does a great job covering college football for 24-7 sports. Here's what he had to say about the Ole Miss-LSU game. I can go ahead and tell you the model is going haywire on this one. So it's the first time these teams have met in a top 20 matchup since 2003. That's Eli Manning in Oxford, Mississippi. The last seven games, LSU has averaged 42.3 points per game. What does that all mean? Absolutely nothing. I just wanted to throw it out there. How does Ole Miss avoid a repeat of last year? If you'll think back to last year in this game, Jaden Daniels went off. He went off nearly 400 yards through the air, five touchdown passes, LSU pulled away. They won 45-20. My advice and I'm going to say it slow so everyone hears it, score a bunch of points. Just score more if you're Ole Miss. They didn't score last week. They didn't score enough in this game last year. Score. And it's got to be with Jackson Dart. And if you go back and watch LSU last week, they had trouble putting Arkansas away. I'll tell you what gave them trouble. K.J. Jefferson with his legs made a bunch happen. That doesn't always just mean on the ground either. It means extending plays and then throwing the ball over the top. That stuff messed with LSU last week. Jackson Dart can do the same thing. He did not do it against Bama effectively enough last week. Um, LSU's not as good defensively as Alabama. So maybe it happens this Saturday. LSU's going to be able to score. Like you cannot be counting on getting into the fourth quarter 
and it being a rock fight in a sand pit. That's not happening. So I'm assuming I'm going to need 31 plus to win it. That's what I assume against LSU. And if I don't, I don't. That's great. I got to have Jackson Dart be the most important player in this game. I got to have my wide receivers healthy. I got to have Quinshawn Judkins healthy at running back or as healthy as he's been. And there's reason to believe that he's probably there for Ole Miss. But if all that's in place, then can LSU do what Alabama did? It'll be tough. What Alabama did is they held Ole Miss to 56 rushing yards. They pressured Jackson Dart. They sacked him five times. They got after him all afternoon and they made him make high leverage throws, and it didn't work. And Alabama didn't even have to score a whole lot. It did not work. LSU's pressure rate is second last in the SEC, which of course makes no sense because they appear to have disruptors all over the place. Um, I know they've been playing a certain kind of way down there, whatever. Uh, if, you, if you don't get after Jackson Dart, he will beat you Saturday. So I would advise attempting everything you can to get after Jackson Dart. The game's going to be decided, I think, on third downs. LSU's offense is fourth in FBS on third downs right now. They've been very, very good on third down. Ole Miss, not so much. Offensively, third worst in the SEC. Now, on any given Saturday, that's like turnovers. That can totally invert. But all we have to go on is what we have to go on. So right now, LSU looks to be the team with the edge. But I'm telling you, as I said the last two, two games we predicted, and I'm going to say it again, teams that lose and are coming home off that loss, I'm always attracted to. It is one of the sicker parts of my personality. I, When everyone else is speeding out of town, I'm Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. With my, with my elderly father there in the passenger seat typing away on a laptop made in 1984, we're driving towards the issue. We're driving towards the problem. Great movie. Great, great and very realistic film, Independence Day. Very true to life. If aliens invaded, it would be very true to life. I think that I need to take a look at what the model says on this game because Vegas has LSU minus two and a half. And that probably doesn't surprise you. LSU a slight favorite. What you need to know is the model disagrees. The model thinks the wrong team is favored. Really? So the model has Ole Miss minus one. I am taking Ole Miss to win this game outright. I think they're going to pull a mild upset there. And I think it's going to be because of Jackson Dart. And I think it's going to be pretty wild. I, I think it has game of the month potential. And we've had some crazy games already. I think that Ole Miss is going to somehow find a way, and if they do, is that right, Jesse? LSU is ranked 13th right now. If they do, maybe Lane Kiffin ups that stat that we read the other night, like 1-18 versus teams that finish with nine wins or more. I think Ole Miss is going to find a way to win this game, and if, if they do now, that just throws the SEC West into a blender because Ole Miss has already got a conference loss. They've got a division loss to Alabama. They can't lose Saturday, or else they're, for all intents and purposes, they're out of the division race. There you go. He knows what he's talking about. Now, we don't know the outcome of the game, but I think it's interesting that Josh breaks down about what he expects to see from Ole Miss and LSU, and he opened up with the model is going haywire on this one. We talked about the line movement down to two and a half. And it would not surprise me if it were down to two or one and a half by kickoff. But two and a half is that weird line to where LSU can win by a field goal. It feels like a trap from Vegas getting you to pick LSU to win by a field goal. And then Ole Miss backdooring winning the game or backdoor covering. 
at the end of the day, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Five o'clock's a perfect kickoff. Talk about the Grove. My goodness, I don't know anybody that's not coming to this game. It's going to be slam-packed. It's going to be a huge crowd. And we look forward to uh, bringing you all of the content after the game, during the game, at Rebs247.com and affiliate of Inside the Rebels. That's, of course, of 247sports.com. And uh, we'll have the post-game podcast up. And, uh, yeah, hope it's a hope it's a, a positive post-game podcast. Whether or not Ole Miss wins or loses the game, you just want Ole Miss to develop the running game. Obviously, they need to win the game for, for a number of reasons, but you just hope you can get some positive things going forward. And you can really hope that Ole Miss wins the game. Let's hear from Koki Riley of USA Today Sports Network and the uh, Lafayette Advertiser right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Today's show is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Just head on over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. But online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Aldison Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or quite frankly anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003, looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Five, five. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family, KessingerRealEstate.com. And Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home. Maybe you need that second home in Oxford. You're looking maybe to relocate to Oxford. Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, your realtor, 662-234-5555. Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Debbie Johnson, a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, T-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The Collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the grovecollective.com. Join our team, become a member today. 
If you're looking for the perfect game day outfit for the Grove, look no further than the Rogue in Jackson. Live in Oxford? No problem. Go to therogue.com and shop the collegiate section, and there you'll find Horn Legend Peter Millar, the best selection of Rebel Game Day clothing, celebrating 56 years of business and a sponsor of the Grove Collective. When you're in Jackson, Go by the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in the capital city. An extensive collection of sports coats, suits, shirts from brands like Peter Millar, Tom Beckby, Brax, Jack Victor, Mark Digman, and others. And when you stop by the store in Jackson, and that's where you'll see the best selection of Rebel Game Day clothing. That's the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson. Go by and tell them that you heard about it on the Believe It Ole Miss podcast. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. Believe It Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Excited to have our guest today. Cokie Riley does a great job covering LSU sports for the USA Today Sports Network, also for the Louisiana Daily Advertiser. Cokie, I appreciate you joining us today. It's a big one in Oxford on Saturday. Yeah, um, really big game. Uh, and uh, once again, thanks for having me on. Uh, absolutely. I want to start with Brian Kelly. In his second year, last year, of course, finishing 10-4, and playing the SEC championship game. That's following up. Uh, the, the 21 season when LSU finished 6-7. and seven. So he came into a situation to where LSU was down and uh, had a big year last year. And so far, looks like LSU's got a really good team. What's the overall consensus uh, that you can gauge from the fan base about the excitement level revolving around Brian Kelly? And, and is, is, this a, is this someone that's going to fit into the, to the Louisiana culture so far? Um, I, I, I've always thought that the whole – can he fit in the Louisiana culture narrative was a little bit overused just because um, if you win here, you fit into the culture and it's really that simple. And um, I, and, and I don't think you don't win here because you can or can't fit into the culture. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Ed, like Ed Orgeron fit into the culture as perfectly as any coach has ever fit into a culture in any sport. And um, yes, he won. At first, and then it didn't, as as we all know, it didn't turn out uh, great for him. Um, 
but yeah, like I, I think his success and, and the excitement around him and his program is going to come down to the results on the field and uh, the results in year one were better than I think what anyone could have reasonably expected. And so far in year two, it's um, kind of been similar, similarly up and down a little bit, you know, uh, a loss to Florida state in week one, a somewhat embarrassing loss, if not a more embarrassing this year to, and then um, a good start in FCC play uh, it, to go along with a uh, dominant win over a, um, overmatched opponent. So it's kind of similar to what we saw last season with this team. Um, but I mean, last season, then they had Tennessee, that big Tennessee game at home and they, they fell flat on their face. And these next two weeks are going to kind of act as a similar sort of test and that they're two road games against two ranked opponents. And it's not going to be easy for LSU. So, um, I'm really curious to see, I, I think these next two games are going to go a long way in determining what this season is and what it's perceived to be for LSU for the rest of this year, because they lose one of them, then I, I it's going to be uh, more and more difficult to see this team uh, make a New Year's Six Bowl. And I, I think that was kind of uh, the median expectation for this team. I, I think that would be a reasonable expectation for this team heading into this year. And I think the high expectation, of course, is uh, making the college football playoff. But um, those are those are lofty goals, but... Uh, when you're LSU and, and you overperform in year one of Brian Kelly's regime, like that's that's sort of what happens. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how how this week plays into all that. The two uh, two games, of course, he's re- referencing is Ole Miss on Saturday at five o'clock, and it was just announced this week the Missouri LSU game in Columbia, eleven o'clock kick. Is that right, Koki? Yes, that's a hundred percent correct. 11 o'clock. So those are the two games he's referring to. I want to go back just a moment to that Florida State game. Koki, we've seen Florida State obviously beat a Clemson team. We're not sure how good Clemson is, but I think Florida State's really good. Is this a situation where the collective body of LSU fans are looking back and thinking, you know what, maybe Florida State's really good? Yeah, and that was happening in the moment as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people saying that this is uh, – I told you that this would be the best team LSU was, was going to play all season until they at least potentially made the college football playoff, yada, yada, yada. And um, out of all the SC losses uh, early in the season against non-conference opponents, you, you could make an argument that the most excusable one was LSU losing to Florida State because of how good of a team Florida State is. Um, but at the same time, they lost by a lot. And with this team's expectations, you want to at least be, uh, I think you would have at least expected them to be more competitive in that game. Um, you can also say on the flip side of that, that, uh, it's week one. You never know what's going to happen in week one. Teams change quite a bit from week one on. We saw that with this LSU team last year. We see that in really all forms of sports, especially in football, um, that, you know, the first week, the first game, the first set of games, in, in the case of other sports really doesn't mean that shouldn't really mean that much in the big picture of things, but um, in football, especially in college football, it does. So uh, it's, yeah, like, I think there's a bunch of ways you can look at that game. And um, I, I don't think it was a great sign for LSU part, part, and also in part because it kind of exposed the weakness of this team, which is the secondary even further. Um, and we saw that again this past week against Arkansas. And I'm sure we'll get to that game in a bit. Um, but yeah, like that Florida state game was, uh, certainly eye opening in some ways, but how much it hurts this team in the long run and how much it affects, uh, the outlook of their season is, uh, really going to come down to this, this upcoming stretch of two games. And, um, I say that again, just because I, I really do think these next two games are vitally important, 
um, because then they have a home game against Auburn after after these two road games. They have a home game against Auburn, a home game against Army, a bye, and those three weeks are I, I don't want to say like breaks before the Alabama game, but um, de- definitely games that uh, they'll, they'll almost certainly win. And then the, it, then again, it's it's Alabama on the road. So I mean, I, I you didn't need a Florida State result, but I didn't need it to. I, you didn't need a Florida State result for me to tell you that um, that was going to be a big game. So uh, it's it's getting really interesting for LSU this season, to say the least. Yeah, the, the changing landscape of the SEC and scheduling have, have thrown everybody into an influx because the Arkansas-LSU game was always the Friday game of Thanksgiving. Well, this year it was much earlier in the season. And look, I'm not telling yeah. you or the LSU fans anything they don't already know. Arkansas always puts more into this game than LSU does. And and I think playing it earlier in the year did not do LSU any favors. Arkansas brought it. And the credit to LSU for withstanding the punch, they come out winning the game 34-31, not before K.J. Jefferson did some things. And you talked about that secondary. But LSU scores 34 points. A lot of that is on the legs of Jaden Daniels, the arm of Jaden Daniels, and Malik Neighbors is an incredible receiver. You survive in advance, and I think more than anything, Koki, the SEC West, I don't know what you think, seems to be wide open at this point. Yeah, it's pretty wide open, and um, a part of me did expect Ole Miss to beat Alabama last week just because I have a little faith in this Alabama team um, heading into the season, and that Texas game and that Southern Florida game really sort of hit that home for me. Um, but, you know, Alabama prevailed. Uh, Jalen Milrow played uh, at least better in that game. And uh, now Alabama is certainly in the hunt. And if Ole Miss wins this game, they might even be still they, – they, you could argue that they're still in the hunt if they win this game. Um, so, yeah, you're right. The I mean, the SEC West is pretty wide open, and Texas A&M has a loss, but it isn't to an SEC team. So um, I guess they're technically still in it as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I, I'm still picking LSU. Um, just because of Alabama's question marks, um, just because I think they're the more talented team than Ole Miss doesn't mean I think they're going to win this game for sure, though, because, again, it's at Ole Miss. Again, this game is far from a, a guarantee for LSU, but uh, I, I thought LSU was the best team in the SEC West heading into this season. I still believe that with some with some more hesitations, to be fair, um, but – uh yeah like I, i'm i'm curious i think this game's going to go a long way in in determining is this the lsu team that absolutely blew mississippi state out of the water or or is this lsu team more like the team that um barely escaped from arkansas and i think um this week and next week are going to go a long way in determining that let's take a look at the offense just for a moment what what was interesting to me is five running backs with over 10 carries this season obviously leading uh, Jaden Daniels uh, the leading uh, number of carries but it's Logan Diggs that uh, that's got the most yardage LSU has really spread it out with Josh Williams Caleb Jackson and then Noah Kane's got some carries what are your thoughts on the rushing attack this year so far yeah with LSU's rushing attack um the the, the Logan Diggs thing is I, I I'm not surprised at all that he's gotten the majority of the reps uh, even after he didn't play in week one because part of that was because they didn't think he was ready coming off a preseason injury um, and once he got ready for the next week the Grambling State week he's pretty much been the number one guy ever since and again it doesn't surprise me because LSU brought back all their veteran running backs from last season 
and added two freshmen. And even with all that, they still brought in Logan Diggs on the transfer portal um, after spring. So, and Diggs also played for Brian Kelly, in Notre Dame. He recruited him there. Uh, it just made sense that he, he would, at least in theory, be the number one guy. I mean, in, in fall, it was a little bit, uh, it, it was a little bit tough to tell because again, Josh Williams is coming back as the number one guy. Uh, Logan Diggs got hurt during the fall. Uh, other guys sort of had to step up instead. Like it, there were, there were a lot of moving balls in the air, but once everything has everything, but once everything has sort of settled down recently, it looks like uh, to me that Diggs is their number one running back. And um, it just makes sense to me. He's their best pass catcher. He's an excellent, um, he does an excellent job of uh, as a pass protector in, in, in the passing game. And then as a runner, he's, I think he's a little bit more juice and talent than a guy like Josh Williams. Um, and, and not saying that Josh Williams is a bad player. He's a, he's a very, he's also a solid back, but uh, Diggs kind of gives him that extra juice in the backfield and uh, has a little more size than Josh Williams does as well. So uh, I, I think that Diggs is really their number one option. And then everyone else sort of falls back in line. I think the wild card here is Caleb Jackson. Um, it, 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 they, they played him for, I want to say, one series against Arkansas. Um, and then they he played, uh, I guess, quote-unquote gar- garbage time uh, against Mississippi State. Um, but I, I think he's kind of a wild card here just because he, he – you could argue that he's the most talented back in this room. And that, that's a room that includes a guy like John Emery, who was a former five-star recruit, and some other high re- guys who are highly recruited and have played um, major college football. But – I, it's just Jackson has this juice to him, this this speed, this explosiveness, this raw strength that's really, really intriguing and um, has really, really excited LSU's fans. And I think everyone, I think the whole nation sort of saw it when he uh, stood up Isaac Smith from Mississippi State um, late in that game. So he's a very, very talented guy, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he made an impact in this game. Um, and again, like he was a guy who wasn't supposed to play this year because again, they had so many returning running backs, so many veteran returners and, and, uh, he's just really stood out for them. And what really stands out is the top four running backs, uh, Logan Diggs, 6.7 yards per carry, Josh Williams, 9.7 yards per carry, Caleb Jackson, 5.2 yards per carry. And even though Jane Daniels, who's been sacked it, it, the loss of 55 yards, he's still averaging 4.3 yards of carry the uh offensive line has done a great job in 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 looking at it Koki, the freshman from last year right tackle emory jones left tackle will campbell and then you've got tight end mason taylor they're all sophomores now but they've got very valuable experience to go along with garrett dellinger at left guard and then you've seen charles turner play some there at center the junior it's a pretty experienced offensive line but they're really not very old they're they're, they're younger players but they've got some great experience yeah, of course, and I think that's sort of the benefit of playing freshmen um, when you play them as freshmen because it has it makes them ready for a moment like this where you have a fifth-year starting quarterback and you want to make the most out of that season, that last season you have that guy, and that guy obviously for LSU is Jaden Daniels. So um, being able to win games while you have two freshman tackles and a freshman tight end um, is – that's valuable stuff. And I mean, Miles Frazier had no power five experience before he transferred over to LSU last year. So um, that's a guy who was, who was also practically a freshman playing for them. Um, and so, yeah, like you said it, like this offensive line does have uh, a good amount of experience, but it's also 
a, a unit that they're going to mostly bring, probably mostly bring back next year. So it, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see the sort of the future of this group and, um, and then whoever they lose um, after this year, they're, they're going to be able to plug Lance Hurd, who's a five-star freshman now, and has played a little bit this season, um, probably into the starting lineup, and, and that will help them as well. You were talking about Jane Daniels, the quarterback's had a pretty good year. 12 touchdown passes, only the two interceptions, uh, completing 72.6% uh, of his passage, and he's got the long of, of 75 yards. After 324 game through the air, He's just been a really good game manager from what I've seen. Yeah, I think he's been more than that for them this season. And and I said because they, this offense is just like a lot more explosive. They've done a much better job of pushing the ball downfield in the last two games especially. Um, and that was kind of an issue for them last year. It, it was Jaden's aggressiveness, Jaden's willingness to attack one-on-one matchups, Jaden's willingness to, see the, to fully see the field and really just push it downfield and uh, open up opposing defenses. And they've done that this year. Um, and unlike last year, they've really, really done that this year. And, uh, Malik neighbors has been one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, and then last week, Brian Thomas really stepped up as that second, as a secondary explosive option for them. Um, and now they have a very, very poor man's version of, uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I guess that's sort of the best way to, uh, describe, uh, the impact those two had last week and even the week before, um, so they, they got a really explosive unit now. And especially when you have a quarterback who is as dangerous with his leg as Jane Daniels is, it's really hard. You're really stretching defenses because they got to, they got to cover a lot of different things. They got to cover the intermediate, the short passing game, which is something that LSU all, all has already kind of mastered. Um, and something that Daniels is very comfortable with. They have to account for the deep passing game, those long balls, to Malik neighbors and Brian Thomas, the LSU has uh, started to feature more and more. This season, and then, and then, and of course, you have to um, stop LSU's running game, whether it's tr- the traditional running game or the quarterback running game. And there's just so many ways that Mike Denbrock could play off all those things. And Denbrock's done a really good job of doing that um, uh, this season, really since the first game, where they looked a lot more rigid and sort of unwilling to unwilling to push the ball down the field, or or unable to push the ball down down the field against Florida State. So. Um, this Ole Miss game is going to be the biggest test for LSU in terms of uh, all all of those cylinders clicking in this game because they, they need that with sort of the way this defense looked so far this season. Yeah, you went right to where I was going, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. having two all-caliber conference uh, years already early on. Both these guys combined for 10 touchdowns, both averaging over 100 yards a game, catching the football, both averaging over 16 yards uh, catch, you know, the running back room kind of spread out, dispersing the ball. Not so much in that receiving room. Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. both have been incredible receivers for this LSU team. Defensively, everyone looks to Harold Perkins. Uh, Koki, what are you kind of looking for? This Ole Miss team has really struggled running the football. What are you kind of expecting out of this LSU defense on Saturday? Yeah, um, I think this LSU defense is just a lot deeper in the front seven than they have been in years past. They can rotate in it their defensive tackles and their and their edge rushers in and out a lot more easily than they could last season. Last season, they were really just running three defensive tackles the entire year, which just wasn't sustainable at all um, after the Mason Smith injury. And they just didn't have a lot of depth overall, period, in that front seven. And, and now they can rotate guys in and out. They can mismatch. They can, you know, it, it, they can – they you know, they can adjust to what offenses are running a lot more easily. 
Um, they have a you know run stopping package, a nickel, you know, a, a, a more competent nickel package, um, a, a four, a very strong four down package. So yeah, they, they can just mix and match guys a lot more easier this year in the front seven. Um, and uh, of course, everything revol- revol- revolves around Harold Perkins. Um, and yeah, he's obviously the most important piece of this defense. And they didn't, they, they did a very poor job of putting him in the place in a position to succeed in the first game, as I think almost everyone saw. And, and over the last few weeks, uh, Perkins is, however, over the last few weeks, Perkins has sort of reverted back to, um, sort of his weak side linebacker role where he can just sort of see ball, hit ball, um, see ball, get ball, I should say and uh, make plays in the backfield. Yeah, Lane Kiffin even intimated on the uh, Monday press conference that he hopes that they reverted back to wherever they had Harold Perkins that he wasn't as effective. 3.5 tackles uh, for loss that leads the team. Two sacks that leads the team as well. He's an incredible football player. The back half of the secondary, Coke, you talked about, or just the secondary in general, you talked about how, how they uh, had struggled some. What are your thoughts uh, going forward? Uh, who are some players that you think can make a difference in that secondary to get to, to, to make LSU better? They need, they need Denver Harris to play better. Um, former five-star recruit, uh, left Texas A&M after some off-the-field incidents, and um, him sort of buying into the program and buying into their message and doing the right things every day has been kind of a daily challenge for uh, Brian Kelly and the staff. And it seems like he's bought into that stuff a lot more than he did at the beginning of the year when uh, he apparently left for had a personal absence and left during the middle of during throughout really missed a week during fall practices and he was playing with the third team defense for most of the fall and then uh, during the Grambling State game all of a sudden he was starting and um, really ever since he's been a starter for this team uh, Deuce Chestnut has seen less of the field he was the Syracuse transfer former All ACC guy and he just hasn't uh, he, he just hasn't sort of he hasn't really uh, played up to that standard so far, um, in part because Denver Harris is taking his snaps. And then Zai Alexander on the other side of the Southeastern transfer, who had a decent game last week, but um, he hasn't totally uh, stood out as a uh, guy who really only played FCS games before this season. So it's just, again, it's just a lot of question marks, not a lot of playmakers back there. And they have two pretty big absences. I mean, J.K. Johnson is a guy who has starting experience at Ohio State, but um, will probably be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Brian Kelly said he's not going not gonna to be available till December at the earliest, and that's a potential starting quarter, corner for a team that doesn't have a lot of corner depth just off off the board. And then at safety, of course, uh, what happened to Greg Brooks and uh, the emergency brain surgery he had before the uh, Mississippi State game has left them even more thin at safety. And um, obviously everyone wishes uh, Greg the best. And uh, what happened to him was incredibly sudden and um, jarring for this team. But they they fought through it, and and they've definitely uh, dedicated the season to him this year. But on the field, strictly speaking on the field, it has certainly hurt hurt them because now they're relying on a freshman and Ryan Yates in their nickel packages as the third safety. And um, and Yates wasn't a guy who was – expect to play a whole ton this season. So um, their depth right now in the secondary is basically freshmen. And that's not a great place you want to be in when you're a team like LSU and you're, and you have hopes to make the college football playoffs. So 
this team has secondary question marks, and unless the pass and anytime when the pass rush isn't hitting home, like it was, like it wasn't, I should say, it was not hitting home against uh, Arkansas. It just makes life a lot more difficult for the secondary because now they have to cover longer, and it exposes sort of the weaknesses that they have. And um, that, that's why I'm kind of interested in this whole mismatch up in that how well how well is Ole Miss going to protect Jackson Dart, and how how good of a job is Jackson Dart going to do in terms of like just avoiding the pass rush and breaking tackles and making plays with his legs like that's really going to go a long way in determining like how well Ole Miss is how many points Ole Miss is going to score in this game because we've kind of seen the two extremes of that uh, the last two weeks with LSU in terms of Will Rogers guy who can't really create on his own and he got absolutely crushed by LSU's front seven and then KJ Jefferson a guy who can actually break tackles and make plays with his legs it gave LSU a lot of trouble so uh, how did where does Jackson Dart fall in between those two things? Can be really interesting to see in this game. Ole Miss, of course, last year went up seventeen to nothing over LSU. The Tigers outscore Ole Miss forty-five to three. The question is, is what's going to happen this year with this game in Oxford? Look forward to uh, seeing you in Oxford, Koki. We appreciate you joining us today. It's a big one in in Oxford, Ole Miss and LSU. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. been listening to the believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host Brad Logan download the show on Apple podcasts Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe rate and leave a review online be sure and check us out on Twitter at Brad Logan C-O-T-E and at believe podcasts as well as Facebook Brad Logan media from the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field it's all Ole Miss all the time This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.